Well, good evening, fellow Americans, patriots, citizens, brothers, sisters, family, all around the nation and all around the world. How is everyone doing tonight on this night of all nights? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of The Sea Report. I am your host, Mr. C, otherwise known as Michael Aaron Gossidis, and today is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. And uh, I hope you guys are having a happy... Sandwich day, ladies and gentlemen, for you see between Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday lies a day so revered. It's sometimes referred to as sandwich day. Uh, it's only revered for its other euphemistic nicknames, ladies and gentlemen, because after all, everyone likes a good hump, right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope uh, you guys have had uh, your fill of uh, whatever nourishment and sustenance that you need to get through the day and that you're well rested and ready for a great show tonight. Uh, we'll be doing a little bit of a short show tonight, but not really. You know, I, I tend to get a little bit long winded, but as per stories, had um, had a couple of um, videos I wanted to share with you guys <clears throat> tonight as well. So uh, we'll be taking a look at two uh, one of the videos is actually a follow-up to a story that we ran during Lone Star News earlier this afternoon. A very, very, well, for me at least, it was a very important video because it explained a lot about um, a certain voting machine systems that I was not aware about uh, ways in which fraud occurred. So uh, that should definitely be a treat for those of you who um, are interested in that. And really, ladies and gentlemen... You all should be interested. But either way, uh, we have a pretty good show for you tonight. We are coming hot off the heels of election night, uh, August 2nd, yesterday. Uh, it was primaries, as you all may know, and you all probably know. Everyone's probably got a whole lot of whiplash right after last night's primaries. I know, oh man, we ran about four hours last night, but, um, you know, not for, uh, not for not wanting to. It was, uh, it was a great night, had some uh, stories to fill the hours and, uh, you know, followed along the election numbers as they advanced from the East Coast to the West Coast. Indeed, of course, uh, we had a major focus on Arizona last night because obviously Arizona's uh, prob I would say Arizona's probably the primary America first state, as it were. I mean, there are so many um, uh, bold hearted Americans that are coming out of Arizona right now that are fighting for election integrity, that are fighting to restore this republic, that are fighting for the will of their constituents and for the betterment of this nation. I don't think at this point there's a state that sets a finer example in Arizona, wouldn't you agree? And indeed, ladies and gentlemen, as, uh, as uh, I woke this morning, or this after, yeah, this morning, uh, I was kind of thinking to myself, I wonder how this day is going to play out. Uh, because... Um, 
when I last looked at the election numbers, indeed at the close of the C-Report last night, uh, the most crucial, the most watched race of this entire primary, I would say the entire primary season, I don't know if you all would agree or disagree, maybe some people over there in Pennsylvania would uh, think that the uh, Dr. Oz race was the most important race of the season. I'm sure Dr. Oz thinks it was the most important race of the season, but uh, it was the Carrie Lake Karen Robeson race. And when we closed here at the Sea Report last night, Carrie Lake was down, down, down. She was down. And of course, that was much to the dismay of many of us out there, including myself, right? I got a little bit emotional on the show last night. But, uh, you know, we recovered quickly. And, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, woke to discover that Carrie Lake is in the lead, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, not surprisingly enough, well, they still haven't finished counting the vote in Arizona for that particular race. Um, but I couldn't help but think, well, now all the Democrats and now all the establishment Republicans and all of the um, globalist and deep state interests in Arizona, now they all know how we felt <laughs> when we woke up on Wednesday morning and President Trump was not the president anymore, right? That's how it feels on a factor of uh, woo very minuscule compared to the presidential race of 2020. But uh, man, everyone just about fell out of their bed that morning. Let me tell you what. But uh, yeah, yeah, because uh, when they awoke, I believe about midnight last night, uh, Carrie Lake took the lead over in Arizona. But interesting enough, and like I said, most expectedly, they're still accounting. And uh, we'll definitely get to that in just a second, along with uh, some of the other results for the night. In the meantime, we are live over at Pilled.net, the Foxhole.app, at Twitch.tv, at CloutHub, at Rumble, and at Trovo this evening. Oh, and we're also live at YouTube again. Okay, you know, you guys, I don't know if you recall, about uh, two days ago, I initiated my YouTube stratagem, right, to uh, infiltrate the YouTubes and not get any strikes. I got a strike already. <laughs> Dang it. Well, you see, my stratagem was going pretty good. But uh, part of that strategy, ladies and gentlemen, was to ensure that I delete the live stream as soon as I'm done. And I forgot to do it. Anyway, so I got a, I got a violation warning. <laughs> Fortunately, the warning doesn't hurt the channel, but I mean, the channel's kind of just like a fodder channel, you know, it's just there to kind of like entice for the moment those who might have ears or eyes to hear or see the message and uh, hopefully do something with it or hopefully, uh, you know, it becomes a part of uh, their way of life at some point and just to point them the way to America first to point them the way to information that they might not hear otherwise on a desolate wasteland like Susanna Tube. Anyways, I just thought I'd share that with you guys, and uh, <laughs> I was like, dang it, 
I already got a strike. This is not bueno. This is not bueno. Uh, but thank you all for joining us again tonight. We'll be here for about the next two hours tonight. Today is a jam-packed day for Mr. C, ladies and gentlemen. I got a show with the bartender over at the Speak Uneasy channel. You can find it over at the foxhole.app if you've never been there before. I'd encourage you to absolutely hop on in. I mean, the place is booming, ladies and gentlemen. When uh, you got the likes of Dan Schultz and uh, and a Patel Patriot joining the ranks of Red Pill 78 and uh, Woke Societies, ladies and gentlemen, you're talking about uh, quite the um, uh, enclave of America First patriotic um, uh, um, live streamers and content creators. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely blossoming, ladies and gentlemen. So hop on over to the foxhole.app. Come on into the C, uh, Mr. C chat room. Uh, sit back a spell. Hopefully you brought a snack. And if you did, hopefully you brought enough to share. <laughs> And uh, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, it will be a great time for all. Looks like we have Pilled by the Rabbit in the house tonight over at the foxhole.net. at pilled.net. How's it going, Mr. Pilled? Good to see you. Uh, Pilled by the Rabbit says, Sandwich, hump, sandwich, camel hump, camel hump, sandwich, Wednesday at Mr. C. I'm actually eating a turkey sandwich as we speak. <laughs> or as I speak, actually. Ah, well, enjoy that turkey sandwich, my friend. And Matt1776, good afternoon. Good evening, Matt. Wherever about in the nation that you are, I hope you are doing well. And thanks for popping in to say hello. Uh, good to see you, sir. It is great to see you. And uh, also, yes, um, if you are joining us over at uh, Rumble or at, uh, well, you know, you know, actually, you know, Rumble and Pill.net and the Foxhole.app, I would say, you know, it's like with the episode that we ran of Lone Star News this afternoon. The episode of Lone Star News this afternoon was probably, I would say, the most important episode that we've ran so far. And uh, I would highly recommend that we uh, that you all share the link because in the episode we basically talked about the other voting systems and the methods, the ways that they actually do the vote fraud, the vote rigging. You know, as we've learned about Dominion voting machines, they're highly hackable, they're highly vulnerable. Uh, we've had we have like five independent reports that uh, explain the entirety of its vulnerability. But when it comes to other voting systems like Heart InterCivic and like ESNS voting systems, which both of those voting machines are used in a state like Texas. That's why we were talking about them this afternoon here at Lone Star News. Um, you know, I was at a loss for exactly uh, where the hackability, the vulnerability, the fraud was. Well, came across some very interesting reports uh, in the course of researching the episode. And so, you know, I would recommend that you share those, particularly if you're, uh, you know, a Texas folk. But, you know, in general, guys, Heart InterCivic and ESNS voting systems are used throughout the United States in various counties and various regions, you know, except for the Northeast, right up there in the Northeast, as they say, uh, because that is uh, that's an entirely diebold. And uh, another one of those companies is up there in the Northeast. But. Um, either way, you know, I would suggest that if you want to share those epi that episode today, you pop on over to pill.net, go to the Mr. C channel and look for the specific episode, Lone Star News number 36. All right. And you can share that link that way. Otherwise, the only other easy way to share that episode, and it is a very, very important episode, especially when we're talking about 
uh, acquiring the ammunition and the knowledge uh, thereby to take down these voting systems throughout the nation, right? Because we can take down Dominion, but there's going to be other minions of voting machines that are going to be running around out there like Heart InterCivic and like ESNS uh, voting systems. So we might as well take them all down while we can. So, you know, pill.net, the Mr. C channel, Lone Star News, episode number 36, or you can head on over to Rumble. I mean, those are the easiest ways to link out those episodes, ladies and gentlemen. So I highly recommend if you didn't get to see it, well, we'll have a little bit of a follow-up on that uh, topic tonight at the end of the show. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, let's get ready for tonight's report. Uh, looks like we got Justice Song in the house. Good evening, Justice Song. Welcome, welcome. Come on in. And uh, Railanon. Good evening, Railanon. And thank you for the 117 gold pills, sir. Uh, it is much appreciated, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your support, my friend. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we had quite the night yesterday. Indeed, it was quite the night for America First. It was quite the night for Trump-endorsed candidates. And thereby, it was also quite the night for President Trump's endorsement record. I think he stands at 172 to 10. 172 endorsements, if I'm not mistaken, to 10 non-endorsements. I'd say those are pretty good odds. I mean, I'm pretty sure he'd rather have an impeccable record. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, we'll take them where we can get them. And uh, we definitely got them last night. Uh, we had one of the band of brothers, I mean, the band of losers, Peter Meyer. One of the heinous impeachers of President Trump. Uh, who in his freshman year, his first vote went to impeaching the president, the leader of his party? Come on, man! <laughs> oh, wait, that's the leader, his real leader, right? The one that's usually stuck at home with uh, multiple bouts of COVID and uh, probably, uh, you know, diarrhea or something like that. You know, his, his butt's wiped, right? Just, just so you know. Okay. Just so you know. Uh, but Peter Meyer, the heinous ginger from Michigan was in, uh, was primaried by John Gibbs, software engineer and conservative commentator. I believe he also worked for the department of HUD, uh, during President Trump's um, um, administration. If he didn't work for them, he was, a, he was a nominated for as an appointee to it. I forget which one it was, but uh, John Gibbs, man, he is just a down-to-earth fellow. I got to say, I really like him. And, um, well, you know, actually, I got a special treat for you all a little bit later on in regards to John Gibbs as we move the show along. Good evening, D-Patriot1776. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I hope you're having a great evening over there towards the East Coast. And uh, I hope you and your husband are doing well this evening. In fact, uh, let me see. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, open up another one of these over here. All right. We're all good in that regard, ladies and gentlemen. So, yes, uh, Michigan also saw uh, Tudor Dixon. <laughs> I'll probably never pronounce her name right, ladies and gentlemen. I will probably always call her Tudor. What is going on right here with... <laughs> What is going on right here? Oh, you guys can't see what I'm looking at here. Boom. 
What is going on with that piece of meat between her upper lip and her nose, ladies and gentlemen? That is rather astonishing. Thank goodness none of the Michiganders noticed that. <laughs> Before casting a vote for Tudor Dixon. Look, can you guys see what I'm looking at? I'm sorry, podcast viewers. You're going to have to go look at this show. <laughs> What is going on with Tudor Dixon? Why is Mr. C poking fun at a Trump-endorsed candidate who won her election? She also does not floss. Anyways, okay, so <laughs> anyways, Tudor Dixon uh, took the primary for, um, for governor of Michigan, ladies and gentlemen, which means we will have to throw our weight of support 100% against this woman. I mean, against this woman. Pardon me, ladies and gentlemen, that was not a Freudian flip, unless it was like one of those subconscious, gut-driven Freudian flips that I'm not aware of. Uh, and I only say that because of all of the uh, scandal about her being a possible rhino, uh, not to mention that, of course, she kind of went soft on the 2020 election theft, but it's okay. You know, kind of like the situation that I'm dealing with here in Texas in regards to Governor Rhino Abbott, you know, we're going to have to throw our support behind Abbott because you think we're going to let Beto O'Rourke, Beta Francis Robert O'Rourke take the governor's house or mansion, I should say, in the state of Texas? No, thank you. I don't even want to know what Beta O'Rourke would do to the governor's mansion if he were to acquire it. Uh, but indeed, you know, um, who was it that, oh, well, you, there was, um, let me think, it was uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Raul Reyes of Texas, um, who uh, was uh, on the Lone Star News earlier today. It was a clip of him. He wasn't actually on the show, but he was talking about the way the voters' trends go whenever you have a weak establishment Republican or a rhino, Right and a Democrat in the elections, whether it's a general or a midterm, what have you, even a primary, actually. I mean, I guess voters are less likely to turn out for the primary, but the general in the midterm, absolutely, there's a little bit more uh, a play there uh, for the um, election workers with the <laughs> voting public. And uh, now he said that uh, when you have a weak establishment Republican or a rhino and a Democrat as your choice, most conservatives, at least in Texas, are more likely just to not show up at all because they're not going to vote for a Democrat, but they're also not going to vote for a weak conservative. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot tell you how important it is that even if we do get a rhino establishment Republican in the primary position as a candidate against a, um, a Democrat, a hard left, a progressive individual, we have to show up to vote for them, okay? Because uh, at least we know what we're dealing with. And I say that because I often say that when it comes to rhinos and Democrats, well, to be frank, rhinos are far more dangerous than Democrats. And the reason for that is because they are two-faced, lying backstabbers. And uh, they will tell you one thing and do another thing. Whereas the Democrats or the hard left or just the opponent 
will outright tell you what they're coming for. We're coming for your children. We're going to suck their blood, right? We're going we're gonna to kill your babies, you know? And uh, we're going to keep the borders open so we have a brand new voting block. And, um, you know, uh, we love to destroy liberty. Uh, so you know what you're dealing with. That's why the rhino is dangerous. The unknown rhino, if I may qualify that statement, is dangerous. But if you know you're dealing with a rhino like Abbott, whose number I think is running really thin these days, well, I guess we'll have to see what happens. Once Abbott is back in the governor's mansion in Texas, maybe we can midterm him. Uh, which would be excellent if we could do that. We'll just have to put up with him for about two more years after that, right? And then we can midterm him. But anyhow, let's get back to this, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, Tudor Dixon takes the uh, cake, as it were, ladies and gentlemen, for the governor's race for the GOP in Michigan. And like I said, we will have to throw our support behind her, okay? Because she is going to be facing wretched Gretchen Whitmer, ladies and gentlemen. And there ain't been no worse or no more corrupt a governor in Michigan history, I'm willing to bet, than wretched Gretchen Whitmer. And you know what? They kind of look like a mom and daughter combo, don't they, right? Oh, it's the uh, family wretched or something like that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, they, they, they look pretty similar. So I guess uh, maybe there's something about the visual optical optics of this that, uh, that will uh, help unseat uh, Wretched Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, look at Tudor Dixon's hair is much finer in color and in strand. And, uh, you know, Wretched Gretchen looks like her hair is just all dried and frowsy. Look at the size of this jawline on Wretched Gretchen. And look at the petite quaintness of Tudor Dixon and her jawline. Well, if you ask me, Wretched Gretchen Whitmer looks rather mannish compared to, uh, you know, uh, Tudor Dixon. So uh, maybe... Uh, Maybe Gretchen's just been working too hard. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. But uh, there we go, guys. So that was one of the takeaways from last night. What else do we got? Oh, this one was a good one here. This was uh, David Farnsworth defeating Rhino Rusty Buckethead Bowers of uh, the Maricopa County GOP. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The man who went to D.C. to tell a bunch of lies and spin yarns about uh, President Trump and the January 6th events. He has been primaried, ladies and gentlemen, uh, which really goes to show uh, if you run up against Trump, you might not be running for much longer. I don't know that Rusty Buckethead Bowers had many days ahead of him anyways. But uh, that indeed, ladies and gentlemen, uh, was a big upset for some of the people, particularly in Maricopa County, right? Uh, these people just tend to think that they're never going to lose. You know, we're talking about the John McCain Republican in Arizona. And I'm pretty sure that John McCain ran a pretty strict ship there in Arizona, and he probably kept all of his rhinos in line. I don't know how he did it, but you know he did. And, uh, well, you know, uh, I, think, I think we might have exercised Arizona of all of its McCainness, or at least we can hope we did, but with the sweep of America First candidates that came in yesterday, 
uh, from Secretary of State. Actually, you know what? Let's pull the rest of the candidates up here on the board. Ah, yes. Here we got Carrie Lake taking the governorship. We have Blake Masters. I'll be honest with you guys. That's another one I'm not too sure about, but we got Blake Masters. And uh, he will be uh, taking the U.S. Senate seat one for the primary win. And awesome, awesome, awesome. Representative Mark Fincham will be the primary candidate for the GOP for the Secretary of State's office. Can you imagine what is going to happen in Arizona once Mark Fincham assumes that office? That is going to be something to watch because I'm sure there is going to be a whole lot of cleaning up to do. There's probably going to be a lot of backlog in the Secretary of State's office over there. I mean, you know, Katie Hobbs is not doing a whole lot. I mean, Katie Hobbs is off, you know, uh, doing all of these TV appearances and news spots. She hasn't even finished with the count in Arizona for the governor's uh, primary race for the GOP, right? And so therein lies some of the scandal. You know, that's why I, uh, that's why I closed the show last night uh, to much trepidation uh, because I was uh, pretty sure that they might try and steal for, from Carrie Lake, who had a huge lead throughout the entire campaign season against Karen Robeson. And it only got bigger and bigger as we moved closer to yesterday's primary. Then to see that uh, uh, Karen Robeson was given a 10-point lead, like for out, like, well, as long as we were on the air, ladies and gentlemen, that she had a 10-point lead. And uh, I think uh, that has averaged out now to uh, 46 to 40% between the two candidates. And uh, here we stand over um, 12 hours hence since the conclusion of the polls closing. And they still have not given us a count. I mean, it's actually pretty disgusting, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what's really developing over there. There were so many, dis I should, discrepancies is probably not the right word. Discrepancies is probably like um, willfully negligent against guilty, right? <laughs> or something like that. Um, because uh, they they were running some schemes over there in Maricopa County last night, specifically last night, and with all of the um, all of the fraud measures that were being reported throughout the evening, it it was kind of easy to think that they might actually steal this from Kerry Lake. There's no telling where that would have gone, ladies and gentlemen. There's no telling where that would have gone. But at this point in time, Kerry Lake is the winner. Um, at least until they finish counting the votes. There's still, I believe, what I read last, about 12,000 votes left, maybe, to count. Now, here's the kicker, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the kicker. Uh, um, Katie Hobbs, um, who, you know, we uh, so lovingly refer to as Katie Schnobbs here. Oh, you guys have heard Katie Hobbs talk before. Don't make me play a video of her, guys, because I will. And then you'll see why I call her Katie Schnobbs. I saw her most recent interview uh, just a little while ago on, I think it was on MSNBC or one of those legacy media Mockingbird Parrot press um, um, outlets. And uh, she is just, she's, uh, 
Not only does she have the most annoying voice on this planet, or at least this side of the Rockies, she is such a terrible liar. Uh, I, I really should just play the video for you, but I'm not going to make you guys sit through the torture. Uh, they were uh, they were asking uh, Katie Hobbs about Carrie Lake and how she handled her campaign, and uh, also what um, Katie Hobbs thought about Carrie Lake's uh, continual lies, big lies about election fraud. And Katie Hobbs said this. She said, "Well, Carrie Lake is such a liar. Every time that they ask her about the fraud in Arizona, she changes the subject." I was like, oh, really, Katie Hobbs? She changes the subject. We have Katie Hobbs twice on film running away, running away when she is confronted by the likes of, uh, say, a Jordan Conradson or some other uh, either either angry Arizonan or, a, a, you know, citizen journalist, like literally running away because she does not want to have to face the questions. She does not want to have to face the facts that the people of Arizona know what the heck is going on. We know the score. You know, if we know the score in Texas and if they know the score in, uh, you know, Washington, D.C., you better believe the people of Arizona know what's going on, which is kind of a nice flip, right? Where the people are actually engaged and involved enough to uh, uh, not only understand, but completely refute with evidence and ire the lies and the deceit that they throw upon us, all the gaslighting that they try and get away with, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but yes, so when it comes to the ballots in Maricopa County for the governor GOP primary race, when asked why we don't have 100% of the ballots counted yet, all Katie Hobbs can say is, because we follow the law. Okay, you know, and if you think that voice that I just did is annoying, Maybe you should look up uh, Katie Hobbs' track sometime and uh, see what she sounds like, ladies and gentlemen. And, th you know, that's another thing. Uh, Steve, I was uh, watching a clip of uh, Steve Bannon's War Room where he was uh, talking with, like, Carrie Lake in one. And there was another clip that I had seen. Can't remember who, was, who he was speaking with, whom he was speaking with. Uh, but, you know, he, he made a good point. He was like, how can Katie Hobbs get on national TV and expect the voters to have confidence in her to be a good governor when she just totally could not even handle or do a good job as a secretary of state. And in fact, in this county, in this uh, primary season as well for Arizona, because of all of the, uh, well, we had ballots that uh, there were insufficient amounts of ballots uh, long about noontime. Uh, we had uh, uh, markers bleeding through onto um, uh, the ballots at the behest of, uh, you know, Maricopa County, Maricopa County recorder Richer and Katie Hobbs. And that was just some of the fiasco that uh, the Arizona voting public had to deal with yesterday. But it appears that there are still... 20% of the vote for the GOP primary a governor's race that has not been counted. And uh, Katie Hobbs contends that the reason why the vote totals have not come in is because uh, in Arizona, they follow the law. And so I guess what they're doing now is they're parsing through every single one of that 20% of ballots. And there's no telling what's going to come of that, guys. I mean, if they want to set up a steal 
now would be the time that they are going to do it. I mean, I think it goes beyond them mocking the election integrity efforts in Arizona uh, that was put forward by the legislature that was um, demanded, that was willed into existence by the constituents of Arizona. Ladies and gentlemen, they, they could really set up a steal. It says there's an estimated 150 to 160,000 ballots that are still left to count. Could that give Karen Robeson a lead over Carrie Lake? Well, that remains to be seen, ladies and gentlemen. But either way, this was a wonderful sweep for Arizona. And uh, it, was, uh, it was one that I think a lot of us had been anticipating for quite some time. And finally, for state AG in the category of GOP primary, we have this man, Ibrahim Jamal Hamaday, who uh, won the election. We may as well call him by his um, Allah-given name, right? Right? I don't know if the, the Muslims worship Allah, right? Anyway, so Allah. His Allah-given name, Ibrahim Jamal Hamaday. Okay, so you know, congratulations to him as a uh, an America First candidate, a Trump endorsed candidate, um, Mr. Hamaday. We will be expecting you to keep yourself at one hundred percent and say and remain whom you say you are. And I just say that, guys, because uh, we did run a story on Mr. Hamaday yesterday. Breaking news about his uh, the many lies that he has told in order to get into the, into the position that he is in. Uh, everything from uh, campaign financing lies to uh, changing his legal name, which honestly I still don't think that is a huge deal. I mean, you know, uh, uh, if someone wants to change their name, I mean, I guess to go ahead. I mean, at least it's not deceptive like, you know, Fr Robert Francis O'Rourke, right? Robert Francis O'Rourke, come on. He ain't even Hispanic, ladies and gentlemen. He ain't even Hispanic. Uh, but uh, Hamaday, um, a lot of controversy came onto the scenes yesterday about Hamaday. But you know what? We'll give him the benefit of the doubt as a Trump-endorsed candidate and also as an America First candidate. But I just can't help but think he, he kind of looks like a young Attorney General Brnovich to me. But... Uh, Maybe I'm cross-eyed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Maybe I am cross-eyed. Timbajet says, I'm pretty sure they are still counting in Maricopa County. Good evening, Timbajet. Good to see you. Has anyone heard different? Uh, as of uh, 8.05 p.m. Central Time, my friend, I have not heard any different, nor have I seen any different. And uh, Timbajet says, what Arizona needs is a new attorney general. What do you think about Hamaday, Timbajet? What do you think about this man? You know, I never heard of this man until about a week or two prior to the primaries. I, I didn't get any type of, uh, you know, feeling, you know, caught or cold about him either way. I actually kind of just didn't even um, uh, push any of his stories because literally he came onto the scene at least he came across my desk about two weeks ago, maybe, as the uh, uh, state AG candidate for the America First Movement and the um, America First Coalition. Uh, but, then, but then we find this story, the National Fire, File, uh, that uh, just released all of this information, guys. Like, uh, you know, one of Trump's requirements to um, sealing the deal for him to endorse you as a candidate 
you have to raise a million dollars in campaign um, campaign financing. You know, uh, you know, uh, fundraising. You have to raise a million dollars in campaign fundraisers if you are going to get President Trump's endorsement. One might ask why. Why would President Trump do such a thing? To a grassroots, America first, always fought for America, always fought for election integrity. And I'm kind of thinking about Timothy Rantham in Wisconsin when I'm thinking about all of these specific uh, requirements in order to receive an endorsement from President Trump. But really, when you think about it, what it boils down to is if you are receiving campaign fundraising money and you total into a million dollars, that must mean you have some support and it hopefully is the grassroots that's supporting you. Uh, we see a lot of the grassroots candidates, a lot of the America First candidates, that's where their funding comes from. It comes from the grassroots, ladies and gentlemen, and they can raise a million you know, uh, dollars or more and get that Trump endorsement. So I think it's logical. You know, for someone like me, that's like quite a feat. A million dollars, I've never even seen a million dollars has never even passed through these hands. And you expect me to fundraise for my campaign a million dollars? It can be quite daunting, you know. Uh, but uh, hey, if the grassroots, if the people love you, they will support you. They will support your campaign. Unlike this Hamaday guy who got a million dollars from his brother, okay, and then after the first quarter of reporting for campaign financing passed, he refunded the million dollars so that this way the campaign financing report for the first quarter would reflect that he received over a million dollars in campaign fundraising, fundraising money and President Trump would then endorse him. Pretty crazy, huh, ladies and gentlemen? So I'm just saying, Ibrahim Jamal Hamaday, you better keep yourself at 100%. And you better do a damn better job than A.G. Brnovich did. But uh, when we were going over this man's, um, um, this man's uh, prosecutorial resume, A.G. Brnovich, quite frankly, and I will say it, could swim circles around this man. Uh, this man would not stand up to a nunchuck fight or a fist fight against A.G. Brnovich. Brnovich would knock him out in round one when we're talking about the number of cases and successful cases that have been prosecuted per their resume. That's something to think about, America. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Let's see what else we got going on here. Vanguard 360. Good evening, my dear friend. Thank you for gifting the can. Cheers, Mr. C. I like your humor. <laughs> I try. I have my moments. I have my moments. Um, Dpatriot1776 says, the kicker is the cheat in Maricopa County. Man, that would be a kicker if they cheat. I mean, that would be, uh, that would be more heinous than what they did to Tina Peters in Colorado, I have to say. Good evening, Subpack Vet. Good to see you, my friend. Welcome on in. Come on in. Come on in. Carrie Lake is not single, Subpack Vet. You know yesterday was uh, she and her husband's 24th anniversary. <laughs> but hey, one can always dream, right? One can always dream. Uh, let's see here. J.R. Majewski comes to mind, won his primary. There you go. 
They, and you know, camp, they will, you know, if you've got the support of your constituents and the people of your state, they will fund your campaign. They will absolutely, absolutely fund your campaign. All right, it's time to get into some President Trump statements. That was just a short recap. You know, you know, the Prez has a few more statements in that regard. So let's go ahead and get them on the screen. And uh, let me see here. Good evening. Oh, Timbajet. <laughs> I see you over there. Rumble Timbajet. He says, I think she's pretty. <laughs> oh, how are you appearing two places at one time, my friend? Anyhow. If uh, if you see Sumter 53 or uh, Tessa Michelle over there, give them my regards. And uh, Tessa Michelle, Sumter 53, Timbajet, Timbajet, Sumter 53, and uh, Tessa Michelle. All right, let's go ahead and take a look at some of these President Trump truths. First one for the night goes this way. Fantastic night in Michigan. Tudor Dixon will be a great governor. John Gibbs won. With a big surge in the end, not a good time for impeachers. Seven down, three to go. Thank you, Michigan. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Good evening, Casual GG17. Good to see you. Glad you could join us, ma'am. Next statement from President Trump says, Big historic wins for Trump-endorsed candidates across the country last night. Now 15 and 0 in Senate primaries, perfect records in Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, and Missouri. Congratulations to our Make America Great Again candidates. What a night it was, ladies and gentlemen. Next statement from President Trump says, endorsements don't get any more powerful or conclusive than the endorsement of last night. I wonder if anyone will write or report that. Just asking. Just asking. Hmm. I think I'm going to have to write a new article today, ladies and gentlemen, and get it quick on thecreport.com. Where, yes, indeed, we do also have articles, some of them original content. Ladies, actually, most of them are original content. Uh, but anyhow... Uh, you know, speaking of endorsements and the power of President Trump's endorsement, ladies and gentlemen, this next statement, oh, it's one for the time. You know, guys, how I feel about rhinos. You guys know how I feel about rhinos that go by the name of Speaker of the House of Wisconsin, Robin Voss. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, President Trump has finally endorsed the candidate running against Wisconsin Speaker of the House, Rhino Robin Voss. Ladies and gentlemen, and you better believe I couldn't be more excited. And it is quite a lengthy endorsement. This is like, this is like an entire scroll worth of endorsing. What do you think President Trump has to say about the man we will come to know as Adam Steen who is running against Rhino Speaker of the Assembly, Robin Voss, the most professionally duplicitous and two-faced politician to be known in the state of Wisconsin. Well, let's take a gander, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a gander. Endorsement of Adam Steen. 
Wisconsin's 63rd Assembly District has a rising patriotic candidate named Adam Steen, who is running against the rhino speaker of the Assembly, Robin Voss. Although Voss claims to be a Republican, he is constantly fighting America First efforts and policies. Our great slogan, Make America Great Again, is not exactly high on his list. Robin Voss supports substantially increasing Wisconsin's gas tax, a terrible move that will seriously hurt the state's residents. You would think he was a Democrat, right? He is also demanding the turning of Wisconsin's public highways into toll roads as an easy but painful way of raising funds. As Speaker of the Assembly, Robin Voss consistently blocked efforts at conducting a full cyber forensic audit of the 2020 election. In fact, his appointee to study election fraud in Wisconsin, highly respected Justice Michael Gableman, found massive election changing fraud, abuse and irregularities despite hearing this powerful evidence. Voss refused to do anything to right the wrongs that were done. Voss let the big Supreme Court victory become just another story. Interestingly, Justice Gableman has strongly endorsed Adam Steen. Janelle Branchin, dang, Justice Gableman, oh man. You know that saying something when, uh, Justice Gableman endorses the candidate that is running against his boss, essentially. <laughs> Any work grievances there, Justice Gableman? You know, that had to have thrown Justice Gableman for a loop, if you think about it, right? Because Justice Gableman is hired by Robin Voss to uncover election fraud in the Wisconsin 2020 election. And, you know, Justice Gableman, he's not a dull cracker. He's pretty sharp, right? And uh, he's probably sitting there scratching his head. And, and in fact, you know, he's probably sitting there scratching his head and probably probably making a face like this. Watch. <laughs> and he's probably wondering, Robin Voss? Why would he hire me to do this job? He's clearly against election integrity. He's clearly for ballot drop boxes. You know, he clearly says that we cannot decertify, right? You know, wouldn't you guys make this face too? If you had a boss like Robin Voss, I mean, come on. Hey, that rhymed. But anyways, well, you know, it's good to hear that uh, Justice Gableman is really who he says he is. He keeps himself at 100%, ladies and gentlemen. And he has endorsed the candidate against Robin Voss, Adam Steen. All right, this uh, article continues. I mean, this article, this statement continues. Janelle Branchin, the chairwoman of the Wisconsin Assembly's Election Committee, has also endorsed Steen, but Voss, uh, because Voss has blocked all her efforts to secure the state's election. Rampant fraud and abuse occurred statewide, stated Justice Gableman. 
Yet Speaker Voss has taken no steps to hold the Wisconsin Election Commission accountable for endangering vulnerable nursing home residents in 2020. Likewise, he has done nothing to clean up Wisconsin's voter rolls or remove Wisconsin from the highly controversial Election Registration Information Center, otherwise known as ERIC, otherwise known as the Election Rigging Information Center. Voss strongly supports ballot drop boxes, which were just declared illegal by the Wisconsin Supreme Court and tried to draft legislation to allow them, despite the outcry of his constituents. The Democrats have not even bothered to put up a candidate to run against Voss because he does everything that they say. He is their dream candidate, a Republican who does the job of a Democrat. Man, these are some pretty scathing words coming from President Trump. I think he just about ruined Robin Voss and I think Robin Voss just pooped his pants. Speaker Voss had 17 years to prove to Wisconsin residents that he has their best interest in mind. But even in his own campaign efforts, Voss has tried to mislead his constituents, sending out mailers that feature a picture he took with me, trying to make voters believe I am a Voss supporter, which I am not, underline, exclamation point, highlight, italicize. He does not come close to supporting America First policies, and I do not come close to supporting him. Oh, burn! He is burning through Robin Voss, ladies and gentlemen, and there's a lot to burn. Adam Steen, on the other hand, is a motivated patriot, dedicated to making Wisconsin great again. He has had the courage to stand up strongly against Speaker Voss. Adam will bravely serve the people of Wisconsin and bring with him strength, wisdom, and a new patriotism. Adam Steen has my complete and total endorsement. So saith President Trump. Well... I got to say, guys, I got to say, Robin Voss is the trophy winner for the harshest anti-endorsement I have ever read at the Sea Report. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that is the harshest anti-endorsement I have ever read. Man, that was scathing, y'all. Oh, that was scathing indeed. What's going on, WC Cranop? Good to see you in the audience, brother. Glad you could join us, and I'm uh, glad to see you again, my friend. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm sure the friends have already made you comfortable. Awakened Mom, good evening. How are you doing today? Hope you are well. Uh, Awakened Mom says, Every transportation budget has always been a slush fund in every state. Huh. Very interesting. I'm guessing because when it comes to transportation, taxpayers already take care of that, right? And I'm not talking about the income tax, ladies and gentlemen. America functioned just fine without an income tax. And now uh, the CIA and all of the regime change operations and black projects we don't know about, 
they're doing pretty good because of our income tax, I would have to say. I would have to say. I think we have one more statement from the president. Ah, we do. It goes this way. Senators are meeting right now on reforming the Electoral Count Act of 1876. No, just kidding. It's 18-something. 1864. So that a vice president can no longer do what everybody, except for certain conservative legal scholars, said was not allowed to be done. So they all lied. The VP could have sent fraudulent votes back to state legislators. Let it be known and let it be written. Yeah, we covered uh, we covered um, this story whenever... Uh, who's on that team? It's like um, uh, Senator Susan Collins. I wouldn't doubt if John Cornyn is involved in that bunch of coconuts as well. And they try and make the VP's responsibility in the proceedings of the Electoral College count completely symbolic and ministerial uh, with no other types of authorities, among other things that they want to change about the Electoral College Act, ladies and gentlemen, among other things. Oh, I see. Um, uh, well, you know what? When we're talking about people like Senator Susan Collins and Senator John Cornyn, you got it right, Relanon. We're talking about some rhinos. And yesterday, indeed, was the biggest refutation of rhinos, establishment Republicans... That I think, uh, well, maybe we'll, with any luck, we'll see some more of that. But uh, that was that was a pretty great role last night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so uh, let's take a look at this article. Trump's sway over GOP still strong as his endorsed candidates win key primaries Tuesday. Now, very, very interesting that this article I'm about to share with you, one in which the publisher acknowledges that President Trump still has a very strong hold on the GOP, I would say as its leader. Very, very interesting that this publisher would publish this article because this article comes from Fox News, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, according to, uh, what was that, the New York Times or something, the Fox News has not run a single President Trump story in 100 days, right? And they refuse to, to, to acknowledge him. Now, obviously, there's some grander scheme here. When you have your establishment operative, you know, Fox News, um, and they're uh, not running stories, but they're supposedly conservative. And uh, President Trump brought more money to the GOP and I'm sure to Fox News and CNN and everybody on that uh, industry that they refuse not to, sh to uh, share any information about the candidate. Uh, pro probably in hopes to quash any type of support that uh, low information voters or just ignorant Republicans, right, um, who think that Fox News is their friend, you know, um, quash any support that they might give to President Trump, right? M might as well just start campaigning for the Democrats. Fox News might as well. Anyhow, let's take a look at this article from Fox News. 
and uh, see how they recapped last night's events. Uh, the article goes this way. Election results in five states that held primaries show mixed results for Democrat meddling in Republican races. Democratic meddling. Democrat meddling. Yeah, Democratic is the correct uh, grammat- grammatically correct way of saying that. It has been a year and a half since Fox News ran any stories on President Trump. Just kidding. The article actually says it has been a year and a half since President Trump left the White House. But the results from the latest round of primaries proves that his immense grip over the Republican Party remains firm. While the biggest headline from Tuesday's primaries in five states was the resounding victory in Kansas for abortion rights activists, in the first ballot box test of le- in the first ballot box test of legalized abortion since the blockbuster June decision by the Supreme Court conservative majority to overturn the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling. Candidates backed by Trump came out on top in high-profile contests that grabbed plenty of national attention. Okay, okay, Rhino Fox News. Do, do I need to throw another Rhino alert out? What? What is this? What is this? The biggest headline was the resounding victory in Kansas for abortion rights activists. Was it really? Was that really the biggest headline? Well, considering that all of the legacy press, the shamestream, lamestream, fake news, mockingbird propaganda media does not want Trump or any America First candidates to win any of these races, I guess it stands to reason that they would ignore all of the wins and they would rather focus on one of their wins, and that is to kill babies, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, interesting that Fox would acknowledge that, right? You think that they would be like, the biggest headline was the sweep in Kansas, in Michigan, in Arizona by Trump-endorsed candidates. The biggest headline was the sweep. No, no. How about the biggest headline was the scandal over the lack of of, uh, completion for the GOP primary governor's race in Arizona? That was pretty big. I mean, you know, Carrie Lake is a national figure, right? Anyhow, I just thought that was kind of funny. There you go. Fox News showing their rhinocery again, ladies and gentlemen. Article continues. Uh, Fantastic night in Michigan. Tudor Dixon will be a great governor. The president exclaimed on Truth Social, the social media platform founded by one of his companies. Dixon, a conservative commentator and former online news host, won Michigan's GOP gubernatorial primary by double digits over her rivals and will face off in November against Democrat Governor Wretched Gretchen Whitmer in the key Midwestern battleground state. Trump praised Dixon in April at a rally he headlined in Michigan, but he held off on endorsing the candidate until Friday, backing her after a new round of public opinion polls indicated her growing lead in the Republican nomination contest. The former president also held a tele-rally on Dixon's behalf the eve of the primary. Meddling in the race by the Democratic Governors Association appeared unsuccessful, 
The group which supports Democratic incumbents or Democrat incumbents and candidates in gubernatorial races spent seven figures trying to knock off Dixon in the final weeks of the primary campaign. The former president also scored another big win in Michigan with the primary defeat of representative, former representative, Peter Major, one of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach the then president for inciting the deadly January 6th false flag riot at the U.S. Capitol. Meyer, an Iraq war veteran, let it be known, ladies and gentlemen, just because they served Dan Crenshaw does not mean that they are good. Uh, in fact, I think, with all due respect to Steve Bannon, he referred to John McCain as a uh, heroic war war uh, patriot. I, I can't remember the exact phrase that he used. A war hero. He was he was a courageous war hero. But he was a terrible politician. And I was under the impression that John McCain sold out a whole bunch of uh, secrets while he was uh, like in, uh, wasn't he, wasn't he a, a prisoner of war, right? And he sold out American secrets and uh, probably endangered the lives of his uh, service brothers and uh, members alongside him there. Anyways, I don't know. I just, who am I, right? Anyhow, so let's get back to this article. It says, uh, it says that um, uh, Meyer, an Iraq war veteran who was elected to Congress in 2020, had been targeted by the former president over his impeachment vote and his comments that Trump was unfit for office. The former president, their words not mine, endorsed John Gibbs, a former software developer who served in the Trump administration as an acting assistant secretary in the Department of Housing and Urban Development. I was right there, y'all. Gibbs, a strong supporter of Trump's repeated unproven claims. Again, this is a legacy media outlet. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you guys catch this? Did you guys catch this? I thought I was reading a local, um, I thought I was reading a local Michigan um, um, article for just a second, guys. Did you hear what I said? I genuinely thought for just a second I was reading a local legacy article from Michigan. This is Fox News, guys. What did they just say? What did they just say? What did they just say? Gibbs, a strong supporter of Trump's repeated unproven claims that the 2020 presidential election was rigged due to massive voter fraud. So the fix is in, ladies and gentlemen. Fox News is already way down the river with all the rest of the rhinos and the globalists and the Democrats and the deep staters and the swamp creatures, they're way down that river. So I can only hope and pray and have faith. I can have faith that um, awake Americans will become awake to Fox News and just turn it off. Don't even pay attention to it because... Uh, that is a severe injustice on their part. That is that is massive right there. Like that statement, they sound like CNN and MSNDC, NBC, DNC, LSD, ladies and gentlemen. That is crazy, guys. That is crazy. Well, reading it with my own eyes, y'all. 
reading it with my own eyes. So uh, Gibbs narrowly edged Meyer in Michigan's third congressional district. <laughs> Did he really edge Myers for how long? On the western side of the state's lower peninsula, a seat House Democrats view as competitive in November's midterm elections. The Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee, which is hoping to flip the district from red to blue as it tries to hold onto the party's razor-thin majority in the chamber in the midterms, sees Gibbs as a weaker general election candidate than Meyer. Additionally, the DCCC meddled in the Republican primary, spending big bucks to boost Gibbs' conservative credentials. John Gibbs won with a big surge in the end. Not a good time for impeachers, Trump touted. Meyer was not the only House Republican on the ballot on Tuesday who voted to impeach Trump. GOP representatives Dan Newhouse and Jamie Herrera Butler of Washington State were facing multiple primary challengers, including candidates backed by Trump. Election results were still being counted in Washington, and no calls were made in either race as of early Wednesday morning. Washington conducts what is known as a jungle primary. Oh, now they're getting racist. Now Fox News is getting racist. A jungle primary in which the top two vote getters, regardless of party affiliation, advance to the general election. Can't they call that, uh, instead of jungle primary, what is the other name of this thing, right? Multiple choice, multiple choice ballots or something like that? Anyhow, um, the president also celebrated in Arizona where a handful of candidates he endorsed and who heavily supported Trump's continued Relitigation of the 2020 election in a state that Biden narrowly won in the 2020 presidential election came out on top. You realize that this is Fox News rewriting their own history, right? You realize that as this article advances with every single phrase and word that they put in here that betrays uh, their uh, viewers, that betrays their base, that betrays President Trump and the nation, that they are rewriting their own history, right? They are rewriting their own history. They're falling in line, ladies and gentlemen, right? They're, they're meshing with the status quo that it, they're trying to gel across the nation. Trump endorsed the venture capitalist Blake Masters, won the GOP Senate primary. Masters did uh, Masters' bid was also backed and heavily supported by tech billionaire and transhumanist Peter Thiel, his former boss. Thiel pumped $15 million of his own money into a super PAC that boosted Masters, who will face off in November against Democrat Senator Mark Kelly in a key battleground state race that may determine if the GOP wins back the Senate majority. Trump backed Mark Fincham who claims that the 2020 election in Arizona, uh, Arizona's Pima County was stolen. Oh, that's not all he claims, Fox News. Well, Mark Fincham won the Republican nomination for Secretary of State in the gubernatorial primary. The race of the GOP for the GOP nomination was still too close to call. Carrie Lake, a former TV news anchor backed by Trump, held a slight edge early Wednesday over real estate developer and Arizona Board of Regents member Karen Taylor Robeson, who was endorsed by former Vice President 
Mike Pence and term-limited Arizona Republican Governor Doug Ducey. So, uh, yep, it says here that it is still too close to call in the Arizona GOP governor's primary. Article concludes, Trump also claimed victory in Missouri's high-profile and combustible GOP Senate primary where State Attorney General Eric Schmidt came out on top in the race to succeed retiring Republican Senator Roy Blunt. After teasing on Monday that he would be making an endorsement in the race, Trump declined to choose between Schmidt and former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens, who were two of the three leading contenders in the primary race. Instead, Trump gave his support to both of them as he backed Eric on the eve of the primary. Great going, Eric. Big night. Thank you, Trump wrote after Schmidt's victory. While some Trump-backed candidates went down to defeat in high-profile contests earlier this primary season, Tuesday's primary once again proved that the former president, their words not mine, remains the most popular, influential, and powerful politician in the GOP as he continues to play a kingmaker's role in party primaries and appears to move closer to announcing another White House bid in 2024. I got to say, do you think that Fox News read their own article, guys? Because they're just like blowing up President Trump with all of these glories, but yet they're turning their back on him. You know, it would almost make absolutely no sense if we did not understand that Fox News is a globalist operative that is intended to trick and fool the conservative voting base. Uh, that is intended to just, uh, you know, take them along whatever current they want them to follow and hope that they rely on Fox News for their information so that they do not go and do independent research. I encourage my audience to do their independent research. Absolutely. Particularly when we have conflicting viewpoints. And then we can have a conversation. Right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I think that's about a wrap for uh, yesterday's proceedings and uh, just kind of going over all of this information. Let's see here. <laughs> let's see here. Uh, let's. What's the next story, guys? What is the next story? Oh, Oh my goodness, there is an ugly woman on my screen, ladies and gentlemen. There is an ugly woman on my screen. Who is that? Oh, it's D. Snyder. D. Snyder of Twisted Sister. Oh, he says to Patriots, oh, you're gonna take it. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they love to take it from D. Snyder. I'll never understand. Uh, apparently, singer of Trump Patriot Adored Anthem, We're Not Gonna Take It, attacks Carrie Lake. Oh, so we do have one more story regarding yesterday's primary. Rocker D. Snyder attacks Carrie Lake as fascist moron over Twisted Sister Song. Man, with the face like that, you just don't want to know what this man is like when he is. it is his time of the month, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't you say? Look at that ugly thing. Anyways, uh, it's beyond me, this whole twisted sister thing. Anyways, the article says, 
Twisted Sister lead singer Dee Snyder should be elated to find that someone is still interested in his band's body of work. Well, there's a whole body of patriots, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, CloutHub, and Hill.net. Um, so, uh, yes, D. Snyder should be elated, but he's not. Instead, the rocker attacked Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake as a fascist moron after a pro-Lake Twitter account shared the lyrics to his 1984 song, We're Not Gonna Take It. Snyder responded to a Twitter account describing itself as Lake's official campaign account, clarifying that the song is a pro-abortion anthem. Now, I have to ask, ladies and gentlemen, for the sake of integrity and not looking a certain way, Will you patriots renounce the song We're Not Gonna Take It as your pro-Trump anthem for 2019? <laughs> it was a 2020. I don't know. This just tickles my funny bone. It's a pro-abortion song. Who wants that? To, you know, it's kind of like when they have Katy Perry opening, uh, like they have a song by Katy Perry that, and, and some, uh, you know, uh, America First candidate walks out to her music. Like, do you really want a satanic child eating whatever that thing is you really want her music to represent your campaign i mean come on let's 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 really get some integrity here either that or i'm just being really retentive and you know what kind of retention i'm talking about ladies and gentlemen but i'm just saying anyhow uh getting back into this pro abortion anthem uh, article it says here um, it specifically rallies around a woman's right to kill her unborn child. I say to thee all, you should burn your D. Snyder albums and burn your Twisted Sister albums because guess what? They dress like women. And so that's another thing I never understood about supporting Twisted Sister. Anyhow, hey, idiots, read the first line. We've got the right to choose. This is a pro-choice anthem you are... you or co-opting, I think he meant are, right? It was never intended for you fascist morons. As the songwriter and singer, I denounce everything Carrie Lake stands for. Write your own damn song, he added. <laughs> he's just jealous because he'll never be able to have children. Because he's so ugly. The subtext, to your so the subtext in your song is very clear to us, D. Snyder. We've got the right to choose to vote for Carrie Lake. Oh, that's actually a pretty good comeback. Lake's campaign account wrote in response to the Twisted Sister song. After being asked if he will file a copyright lawsuit in response to Lake's campaign reportedly playing the song at her rally, Snyder said, I've explained this many times. You don't have to get permission to play any song at any event, same as a baseball game. 
and I won't try to stop someone unless they are using it without permission for commercial use, that's different. Who I disagree with. <laughs> I will denounce them instead. While I abhor what this ignoramus stands for and that she... And that the she deplorables, yup, Hillary Clinton had it right, she represents. He can't even type anymore. Jeez Louise. I cannot legally or morally stop her from using or singing my song, Snyder said in a tweet. So this is actually rather, what's the word? This is rather, actually rather anticlimactic. He's like, stop using my song, you bastards, but I will defend your right to use my song. <laughs> well... That's rather dubious of you, D. Snyder. Thank you so much. <laughs> that is too funny. So D. Snyder says, I wrote it for everyone. Cherry picking who uses it is censorship. You know, D. Snyder's starting to sound like a true American. Last year, Snyder announced that he did not want unvaccinated fans attending his concert proclaiming F you adding that the chance of making him sick with the Chinese coronavirus represents an invasion of my privacy. What? <laughs> what? If you give me the coronavirus, you are invading my privacy. Uh, are the Chinese the ones that are invading your privacy, D. Snyder? I don't know if I fully understand the context of that comment, but uh, well, you know what? I guess we can now say that you can depend on the likes of D. Snyder for a good laugh, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for the levity that you brought to tonight's show, fair Twisted Sister. <laughs> Timbajet says, Twisted Sister is shitty rock and roll anyway. You know, I cannot help but to agree with you, sir. I cannot help but to agree with you. Subpagvet, thank you for gifting the phone. Much appreciated, sir. And W.C. Cranop. Thank you for donating uh, 1,059 gold pills. Uh, you do know Fox banned Trump for the next 100 days from his network. Absolutely. We actually just covered that yesterday. Uh, or was it the day before? I don't know. It was a report that we read. No goodness, guys. All right, guys. Okay. You want to talk about some more levity? I don't even know how long I'm going to be able to sit through the next thing I'm about to show you guys. Now... Let me put the banner on the screen. Banner on the screen is, John Gibbs, why are you going to put up with that trash, John Gibbs? You're too good for that trash, John Gibbs. You're probably wondering, what are you talking about, Mr. C? Now, during yesterday's um, primary elections report, um, I was going to air or broadcast uh, the video I'm about to show you guys. Uh, but it would have aired late in the evening. We were all tired and, uh, it, it would have basically closed the show and it probably would have pissed all of y'all off. I mean, I was so angry the first time I watched this guys, I was so angry. I mean, I was like yelling at the screen. Okay. I was stopping the video to yell at the video. Okay. <laughs> So let's just get it rolling. I may not even play this whole, this whole, it's an interview, guys. John Gibbs, okay, a very fair man, I would have to say, when he willingly goes on to a hard left progressive ginger gay little broadcast that came out of nowhere. But incidentally enough, you guys might recognize this loser. It's uh, David Manpacker. Uh, when did, when, you know, 
I'm gonna make it a point to never play any of this man's videos again because I do not want to give this man any more attention than I have to, but it just so happens that in addition to claiming that President Trump was gonna run for, uh, for president again so that this way he would avoid being thrown in jail or avoid being charged with, you know, uh, malicious intent or whatever, uh, he just royally... He just royally got into this, it's a sorry excuse for an interview, but it had John Gibbs in it. So I had to watch it and I got to say, John Gibbs, you are a big man for putting up with this little booger and lady, you guys, I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not trying to piss you off, but just watch when you see the way that this host handles this interview the sheer hard left progressiveness of how he responds and the uh, communicative tactics that he tries to use against John Gibbs is going to make you mad. So I'm just telling you guys, I don't intend to uh, anger you or to inspire any kind of inner flames. Uh, but this is as um, this is as trash as it gets when we're talking about the progressive left. I don't even know if this guy is a Democrat. Quite frankly, I don't care. He's a sorry excuse for a host, and he has a terrible sense of logic and a terrible sense of argument. It just makes no sense, and I don't understand why John Gibbs put up with this trash. But I think he handled it rather well. Here we go, guys. With a number of different Republicans running in the 2022 midterm elections today, we're going to be speaking with John Gibbs. John Gibbs is a Trump endorsed Republican, the former assistant secretary for community planning and development at HUD in the Trump administration and is running in Michigan's third congressional district. The incumbent in that race is Peter Meyer. Uh, it's great to have you on, John. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on, David. I really appreciate it. So let's start with something really easy just to to, to kind of get started. Um, D Donald Trump took a, a, a bit of issue with your opponent's last name having a silent J in it. He seemed not to like that at a recent rally. You take no issue with the spelling of your opponent's name, right? Well, I think the difference is I'm from Michigan. And so we grew up uh, seeing the supermarket. I did not mean to interrupt John Gibbs. What the hell kind of question is that? Who gives a damn about the pronunciation of a name and who opens up an interview with that kind of a question? Clearly, ladies and gentlemen, clearly, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this was uh, destined to be some type of um, an attack interview. Clearly. Now, I'm going to rewind it. Be kind, rewind a few seconds so we can hear the entirety of John Gibbs' response in it. He seemed not to like that at a recent rally. You take no issue with the spelling of your opponent's name, right? Well, I think the difference is I'm from Michigan. And so we grew up uh, seeing the supermarket chain and whatnot. So we're really used to it. But I could see how someone who's not from here, like President Trump, would not be familiar with that spelling or how I pronounce it. So, you know, that's just how I look at it. Beautiful. OK, so um, I want to start with what is leading you to run. Most people who choose to run say, well, to some degree, uh, I mean, you know, people in media and people in politics, in a sense, there's a narcissistic element, right? Like if you're in media and you want to talk, you have to on some level think what I'm saying is at least as interesting as what anybody else is going to have to say. And if you're going to run.
office to some degree, you believe you can do a better job than the person that's there. So tell me about that. What problems do you see that you think you can fix? Are you talking about yourself, David Manpacker? Projection a little? Hmm? Hmm? You can, you can do, do a better, better job, job than the person, person that's there. there. So, so tell, tell me about that. What problems do you see that you think you can fix? Um, well, I mean, the list goes on and on, but we have inflation, uh, which is causing gas prices to, you know, skyrocket through the roof. We have uh, uh, empty shelves at stores and you have high prices at grocery stores as well for basic things like chicken or pork chops, whatever it might be. This is having a huge impact on the middle class and working class folks, especially the poor and minorities. We really got to step up and do something about this. So, um, and that's just domestically. That doesn't talk about Afghanistan and the botch withdrawal and Ukraine and what's going on there. So I think there's just a very long list of issues that we need to address. And I think um, very humbly, based on my experience in DC for four years in our administration, I got to learn the machinery of how government works. Um, I was there for longer than my primary opponent has been there. So I've got more experience than him in that. Um, also, I'm a regular guy. I'm not from a you know super super loaded background, um, so I know what it's like to connect with regular folks. So I think I've got the best of both worlds there. But uh, David, I do have a point. I mean, you have people who are narcissistic, and this profession does attract those kind of people. And I myself, after our administration, was not planning on going into politics. I was in fact planning on becoming a regular person again. Uh, you know, maybe doing some work for a think tank or something, and just uh, you know getting out of the spotlight for a bit. Uh, but then some friends, you know, for, uh, said, hey, why don't you go back home to Michigan and, uh, you know, take a run against this Peter Meyer guy who voted on Pete Trump. And uh, it took me a while. I thought about it a lot. I prayed about it. I uh, made sure I had my ducks in a row and ended up uh, diving ahead first to do it. But it's not really necessarily what I was thinking. I was kind of looking forward to just being a regular person again. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does uh, really take something to jump in here and do this. Uh, it's very busy. You know, you're going to get get attacked and there's long hours and uh, there's scrutiny and things, but I do really think it's worth it because, um, you know, we need the leadership in there, which is, is lacking right now. So you mentioned three issues there. The first one was was inflation and, and price, gas prices and uh, product product prices. That's uh, that's something that's happening globally right now. There, there's a number of issues there. As one of 435 members of Congress in the United States, what would you do to deal with the issue of inflation, which is a global one? Well, it, it's a global issue to some degree, uh, but a lot of this money that's been printed and the spending that's happening does have global impact because the investors take that money and they invest it all around the world. So I do think um, the Europeans certainly have their share of guilt in this for uh, doing some of the same stuff we're doing. But I think when you look at the kind of spending and the kind of money printing that's happening, you're getting uh, what's called a cantillon effect, which is where all this money goes in to the economy in an inefficient way and ends up driving up prices um, in a way that is harmful to regular folks. So. Uh, we do have to look at the money printing uh, and the spending, uh, which are two of the critical uh, points behind this. And David, you have a very good point. If I were to win, God willing, I'm one of 435. So I need to form coalitions. I need to have people that are on my side. I need to have the maturity to understand that everybody that we're in coalition with won't agree on every issue. But John, I hate to interrupt, but I really like that. I love talking about policy and we were I want to stay on that instead of the coalition. You're talking about money printing. Now, Joe Biden's administration did pass this infrastructure package, and that includes government spending. And we could debate whether it's the type of spending that you like or that you don't like. But the deficit declined during Joe Biden's first year compared to Donald Trump's last year. In other words, spending in total, the, the rate at which we overspent 
went down in the first year of Joe Biden's presidency. Would you would you agree with those numbers from the Congressional Budget Office, which is nonpartisan, not the debt? Now, remember, I know you know the difference. You're a Harvard guy. The deficit went down in Joe Biden's first year. Do you agree with those numbers? Or you dispute them? I'll need to check that because I've actually heard different views on that. So I don't want to go back and look at numbers and see if there's any fuzzy math going on there. Um, uh, As a general rule, do you dispute numbers from the Congressional Budget Office or is that a fair source in your mind? Um, I think it's not so much uh, fair or not. It's a matter of there are many ways to uh, to look at these numbers. There are different ways of calculating a deficit in terms of what you include, what don't you include. Does it come off the budget this year or next year or the year after? So I think there's lots of different ways to slice the pizza here. And I need to look at the way they're doing that uh, to to make a determination on that. Would you agree that at least the Congressional Budget Office is doing it the same way every year? Is that at least fair? They are consistent in how they measure the deficit? I'd have to take a look at that again and go wow. back and look at their methodology to uh, to see what's the case there. But uh, so let me ask you this. So do you see how he just picks at the minutia? Right. He's just going for any little tiny little angle. Right. Uh, any any kind of way to kind of discredit or to uh, corner, as Subpack Vet wrote in the chat over there. Um, to corner John Gibbs. And he he's going to keep on doing this with his tiny little beady sociopathic eyes, right? It's it, it, it watch, watch. It's just, uh, I don't know how much more I can take of this man, but let's, let's, let's carry on, okay? Listen, if you're not sure whether we can trust the numbers of the Congressional Budget Office, what numbers do you have as a basis to say that the spending is out of control? Oh, we can easily look at the amount of money the government's spending. That's a much simpler uh, calculation there. We can easily look at inflation. Uh, CPI and whatnot. Uh, those are pretty standard in the way they're calculated. So uh, we have a pretty good sense of what those numbers are. But I think, so let's see. But the, the problem is you blamed the spending on the inflation. So like, for example, in this conversation, I'm agreeing with you. Inflation has been high. We're 100% on the state. There's no dispute about those numbers. You made the assertion that you believe the inflation to some degree is because the spending is out of control. I said, typically, we look at the Congressional Budget Office for that, and they found that the deficit was down in Joe Biden's first year of the presidency. You said you're not sure if you trust those numbers. And when I asked you, well, how do you know spending is up? You said, well, because I looked at the inflation numbers. But your first claim was the inflation numbers you believe are because spending was up. But now you're saying the inflation numbers are the spending numbers. That doesn't make sense, does it? What doesn't make sense is high gas prices that regular people cannot afford. What doesn't make sense is that black pastors come to me saying people in our congregation cannot afford to drive to work because gas prices are too high. What doesn't make sense is that the price of a pack of chicken or beef or whatever you're buying at the grocery store is twice as high. That certainly doesn't make sense. And so that's the problem we got to solve. Right. We agree gas prices are high, but you made the assertion that it's because of Biden's spending, whereas gas prices are up globally. And what I'm trying to do is to is to make that connection. But maybe may, maybe we're just not not going to be able to do that. Let me ask you a different question. Do you agree that since the peak about two months ago, gas prices are now down about 20 percent? Do you dispute those numbers? Um, what I do know is that first of all. Who cares? Okay, look, he th this issue he's going to draw on. He's going to draw on this issue, it, but it's down 20% from last month. It's down 20% from last month. They're still too damn high. He has to get a win in here. And who, who is uh, what is the political political line of thought where they have to like have an agreement, right? Like they'll approach they'll approach their uh, their uh, um, opponent. 
but it'll be like we'll we'll find an agreement. Was it that like Marxist or is it just like you know uh, pansy ass uh, sociopathic progressive uh, Bernie brother? He's he's probably a Bernie brother. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, but yeah, there there is there is some type of uh, you know um, uh, social. Um, political type of um, employee that they'll use where they're like, we'll have a common agreement and we'll try and work from there as long as we can come to an agreement. I'm trying to agree with you. Uh, I guess we're not going to get to come to an agreement. It's just, it's infuriating. And now he's going to run on this 20% down from last month. Like this is going to prove his point against John Gibbs. I mean, come on. Gas prices are still far too high. One of the reasons for that is, for example, shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline and totally gutting all efforts to have American energy independence. Uh, so we've got to go back and reverse those policies so that we can be producing more of our own uh, supply, which will bring prices down. OK, but so so three different things there. You didn't answer my question and you also made two claims that were wrong. So I'm going to I'm going to do my best to keep keep up here. So do you agree gas prices are down about 20 percent from their peak two months ago? Um, what I agree on is that gas prices are significantly higher than they were uh, when uh, Joe Biden came in office and we got to fix this problem and bring it back down. <laughs> Did you see? Did you see the way he covers his mouth? He's like, oh, my goodness, we can't come to an agreement. Look at. Let me l l we want to see you cover your little mouth. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. We can't come to an agreement. I asked you if you can agree that gas price is 20% down and you said that it's still high since Biden's been in office. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Look at him. Look at those eyes. Oh, God, he's just ugh, creepy. This problem, bring it back down. Do you dispute that the gas prices are down 20%? Um, what I dispute is that uh, gas prices are good. They're not good. They're still too high. We okay, that's fair. Let, so the number is 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever one uh, might be, it's still too high. That's the point. Fair. So now, see, John, you, you do not really care if it's down 20% over the past couple of months, whatever. But what I do care about is that it's way higher than it needs to be. So you made an assertion, and I agree. See, I'm an, I can very simply agree with you. You're right. They're still too high. See how, see how I, I'm very simply agreeing with you. Are you disputing just that they've come down 20 percent or do, or do you agree that they have? Um, I try to spend time on the relevant questions when I look at my policy and the relevant issue here is we got to bring the gas prices down. How do you know they have to come down more if you won't even concede they're down 20 percent? How do you even know what they are? I know that they're way higher than they were when Biden got in there and we got to fix that problem. OK, so it's it's not sounding like you're willing to even in good faith concede they're down 20 percent. Can you tell me why? Um, I can tell you. <laughs> Why won't you agree with me? Just agree with me. I mean, this is more like uh, this is more like. A, are you guys getting mad yet? <laughs> are you guys getting mad yet? Is is the heat kind of starting to build underneath your collar? I'm telling you guys, what? Who made these people? Like, who made these people? All of his points so far are totally irrelevant. They're irrelevant. And he is more hung up on the fact that they cannot come to a social agreement amicably. And it's amicably on his part, not on John Gibbs' part. He's the one that wants them to, you know, hand in hand agree on a point that he's making. He just wants John Gibbs to concede to his point, no matter what the point is. Can you agree that the shirt I'm wearing, my uh, mother chose for me and uh, it makes me, I don't know. I don't, okay, no personal attacks, Mr. C. Yeah, I used to do that a lot in debate class, and that's why I was not good at debating. 
people that I care about high gas prices because it affects everybody, especially those who are poor and working class and the middle class as well. They're right. I agree with you. Down. I agree with you. But you seem to be unable to agree with me on just basic facts. It's weird. Let's move on to the next thing you said, which was Keystone XL is responsible not having Keystone XL. I want to make sure I, I know what you're saying, John. Not having Keystone XL is responsible for gas prices being high. Is that an accurate assessment of what you said two minutes ago? Um, it's certainly part of the picture. Okay. Um, we, we do have to increase domestic production. That's the overall point. Did you know that Keystone XL would not increase domestic production because it's merely a transport method right. from okay. Canada? That's right. Yes. Okay. And we do have stuff coming from Canada as well. Okay. We thing to get uh, more supply in here. So if the Keystone XL pipeline phase four wouldn't increase production, and you just said what we need to do is increase production, how could it be responsible for gas prices being high? We've got to do both, obviously. We've got to open up that pipeline and also get more domestic production. But you first said the pipeline not being open is responsible for high prices. What I'm saying is, since it wouldn't lead to any more production, how is it affecting the prices? Hello, I'm Congressman Adam Schiff. Donald Trump has... Ah! Oh my God, it is Watermelon Head. <laughs> Get it off the screen. I, you know, I should have known better, guys. I should have known better. You all have seen the January 6th unselect committee hearings. You all have seen how when they're questioning a witness, all of a sudden, Adam Schiff will pop up like this. He'll be like, did you ask them if they went downtown? Hmm? <laughs> oh my God, I had a heart attack, y'all. I had a heart attack. I thought there was a serial killer coming for me. Oh my goodness, don't do that, watermelon head. Okay, I apologize, y'all. <laughs> Whoa, uh, that was very, you know, last time it was Stacey Abrams. Okay, <laughs> so... Sorry, y'all. I did not mean to do that to y'all. Trust and believe. Trust and believe. If I'm shook up, I know you're shook up too. Okay, that scared the heck out of me. Okay, uh, I don't know how much more of this we're going to play because we're running out of time. Uh, I guess we'll uh, let him finish up with this question. Oh, we'll leave it on a cliffhanger. I know exactly. We'll leave it on a cliffhanger. Okay. All right. Uh, we're almost done with this. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I just, I cannot play the whole thing. And we got one more thing to cover and it's way more important than this. But this says a lot about the character of John Gibbs. God bless this man. He is a good man. He's a big man. He is the man for the job. And also get more domestic production. But you first said the pipeline not being open is responsible for high prices. What I'm saying is, since it wouldn't lead to any more production, how is it affecting the prices? Because we need to have more coming in here from everywhere, whether that's domestic production, whether it's from Canada. So, but it wouldn't change how much is coming in. It would only change how it's getting here. Yeah, and we need to have more ways of getting it here, obviously, because that will uh, increase supply along with increasing domestic production as well. But Listen. why would bringing it by pipeline instead of truck lower the price? Uh, because it's more efficient. Mm, I've never read that before. Where, where are you getting that? Um, from people that know about this and people that know that when you have that pipeline open, it's better uh, for, our, for increasing the supply um, as well. That, seem, that, that seems like a little bit of common sense to me, doesn't it, y'all? 
that a pipeline is more efficient than a truck? And he's like, I never read that. Well, you wouldn't have read that because no one that you read would have that kind of logic or economical sense to will. I mean, come on. This is the absolute last time that I am ever going to play a John Manpacker clip. It's just John, John Gibbs, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Whatever this guy's name is, Daniel, David, Dorky, Pat, Manpacker. Anyways, okay. Yeah, we're not the cliffhanger yet. We're going to get there. It's almost, it's coming up, y'all. It's coming up. Well, as increasingly our own domestic production along with that. Okay. Uh, do you have any citations on that? Because I've never heard that. Um, what I do have a citation on is that gas prices are too high. Uh -huh. I agree. Break. I agree. Okay. Um, we're, I'm finding myself at a bit of, of a logjam because we seem to not even be able to agree on the, the kind of basic facts. Let's try a different topic altogether and see if maybe we can make some headway. Um, who's the president of the United States right now? <laughs> There's your cliffhanger, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, get the man off the screen. Get the man. Oh, he's off your screen. Get him off my screen. I cannot. That's the last time. No more. Okay. <laughs> you knew he was going to go there. Who's the president of the United States of America right now? Oh my goodness. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, John Gibbs actually has a very, very good answer to that question but you will not enjoy it here tonight. Okay, guys, time for the last and final story for this evening. Uh, this is a very, this is an important one. We're going to run another video right now to close up the show. Now, uh, if you joined us this afternoon on Lone Star News, uh, we uh, aired what I consider to be probably the most important episode of Lone Star News that we have aired to date. And that is because in today's episode, uh, we talked about um, the, um, the, the way that the voting systems, Heart InterCivic and ESNS, um, enabled fraud in the 2020 election. Indeed, you know, we actually went through a history of the election fraud, or I should say the election rigging that took place in Texas. Uh, we covered 2016, 18, 20, and um, well, up 22, right? Uh, so <clears throat> uh, basically what we're seeing here, ladies and gentlemen, and the reason why it's so important is because uh, we have five independent reports that can tell us, you know, every way till Sunday exactly how Dominion machines are hackable, how they're vulnerable, and how uh, you can, uh, you can uh, remotely access them. Every single thing about the Dominion voting machine has been pulled apart, okay, uh, all the way up to the federal level uh, and all the way down to the independent investigator. We have all of this information, okay, but what we don't have, or at least I didn't, ladies and gentlemen, I had not been able to find this information, and it finally came across my desk, um, and that is, how is it that Heart InterCivic voting systems and ESNS voting systems, which are the voting systems that Texas uses in their elections, because don't forget, Texas gave Dominion the boot. How is it that they're able to rig elections? And ladies and gentlemen, it was eye-opening. I mean, uh, the friends who were with us here today were like, what the heck? 
So uh, we, we went over an article that talked about all of the technical aspects of it. And uh, there was actually a video that accompanied the article. Uh, so in a follow-up to this afternoon's report, we're going to close out tonight's um, episode or tonight's report uh, with the uh, well with the video that uh, explains exactly how ESNS and Heart Intercivic voting systems um, are able to rig the votes, and it is it is really astonishing here, guys. So uh, again, I would say if you did not uh, catch um, this afternoon's episode of Lone Star News. Um, please make sure you go ahead and head back and watch it. Uh, it's a very, very important episode. It's very important because say we're able to kick Dominion voting machine out entirely. You know that you're going to have the Democrats or you're going to have the rhinos who are going to be fighting to still have election voting machines. And they're going to say, well, then let's just use Heart Intercivic all around or let's just use ESNS all around because uh, they're not Dominion. And let's not forget, Trump won Texas, but uh, there was still a lot of rigging and fraud and theft going on in the elections. So what's up with that, right? Well, are all voting machine systems secure or not? It looks like in this case, the answer would be not ladies and gentlemen, at least by the what they have to say in this presentation. So let me go ahead and get them on the screen. ESNS voting and heart intercivic voting systems, bad as Dominion. And uh, we have, uh, let's see here, this is uh, the Economic War Room. I'm not familiar with this show, uh, but very good information. Basically, they're talking about the vulnerabilities of these um, voting systems, and uh, they are discussing it with a white hat hacker who, um, well, basically discovered the way that these two voting systems um, are uh, detrimental towards our the sacredness of our vote. So let me uh, get this going here. It looks like it's going to play a commercial. That's why I closed up the screen. The C-Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener-supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all yeah that that uh that was infuriating that interview with john gibbs the first time i watched it absolutely infuriating all righty guys here we go really our electronic grid and all of the electronic aspects of life the second one is voter fraud and that is an attempt to take over our country without firing a shot. Now, we've covered these stories in detail, 
And one of the most interesting things we did was we interviewed a white hat hacker named Jekyll. He's come back to us with some additional information that he's uncovered that we think you should see. I've also invited back our friend Russ Ramsland. And Russ is a voter fraud expert, but he is also an internet and cyber expert as well. So I want Russ to join in seeing this story. He's followed it for a while and he's followed Jekyll for a while. So welcome to the war room, Russ. Great. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Great. So we've got Jekyll. He's an offsite location and he's going to be showing on this monitor uh, some of the things he's uncovered. Jekyll, can you hear me? Yes, I can, Kevin, and good morning. Uh, good morning. What have you got to show for us? Okay, so after our last conversation, when we got into explaining how vulnerable the hacking or how vulnerable the, the voting systems and the voting machines are within the United States and globally, uh, me and some of the guys that I work with decided to start delving further in so we can actually catalog and show exactly how vulnerable it was. Okay, I've got, I've got Russ Ramsland here and we're going to be watching. Go ahead and demonstrate. All right, so first off, we looked at one company. It's sort of a minor company. So this first one is going to be a company called 10X Software Solutions. Now, what I'm going to show you first here is I used an open source piece of software called Burp Suite to be able to do what's called web crawling. So, so this isn't I, hacking or anything. This is just out there doing it. Correct, Russ. What this is, is this is just utilizing uh, a program uh, operating system called Linux and using a few tools, uh, especially one that's known as a web crawler. I can look at a website and I can enumerate every link that is on that site and then start looking for vulnerabilities, start looking for uh, programming that's set up incorrectly or information that's not secured. Okay, so 10X Solutions is a voter machine company? Yes, and recently they just did one a contract with Dallas. So now they're going to be running uh, the voter check-in systems in Dallas County. So when you go in to, to register to vote for that morning, you put your ID down and 10X runs the software for the, the iPad or the Samsung that's sitting there uh, that you put your, your ID on. Okay, so I see a series of links here, uh, starting with mail.10xsolutions.com. Uh, and what you're telling me and what you just said to Russ, this wasn't hacked. This is just something anybody that crawls the internet can find this without trying to do anything going in and looking at 10x inside the company. You're just looking at what's publicly available. Is that correct? That's correct. And the information that we found is quite staggering because uh, if you look at links that are on the site, it looks like the person who set it up is leaving the keys before the door. So every time you have a door you have to go through that requires a password, we're finding text files that have those passwords in them. We're finding uh areas that are supposed to have security that have absolutely no security to it whatsoever. It's like leaving the key under the mat to your house. Exactly. Well, then that, what I think you're suggesting in that this even looks purposeful? It has to. Uh, the guy who runs 10X's software, he is listed as a CISSP, 
So he should know all the current protocols and setting up passwords and securing a system. The problem is, as you can see, you look down on this list, precinctcentral.com and download, which is for installing their software onto a tablet. The passwords to be able to get into wow. it were super one, two, three, just to be able to log in. So now I have a location where I can go in and see where their software is. Well, if I can find someone's software, then what that means is I can take that software and start finding vulnerabilities that I can exploit. So you can just literally go on the internet and if you went to that particular web address, you could find the usernames I see in Palm, Dallas, Sim, et cetera, and the password super123 or lowercase super. Or I mean, it may, it don't even require the uppercase, right? And no character, all, all these things that they tell you, oh, make sure you have an uppercase, lowercase, uh, numbers, and characters. This is a ridiculously easy password. Correct. Well, and an even scarier one, precinct find. If you're trying to go on 10X's site and you want to say, figure out where your precinct is and where the location is going to be, if you look to the second to last link that's on here, precinct find and poll workers. Yeah. Once you go in to look at the web mail console, for all of the poll workers within these counties. Look at what the password they use to get into it. Pink. Pink was the password to be able to send an email out to 7,000 poll workers just in Florida. You could cause extraordinary chaos. You could take control of things. I mean, this is really scary. What, what other things could you do if you have that password pink and know, know the username? What, what, what problems can you cause if you can send those emails. Let me pull up something else to show you here real quick. So I come over and here are a list of the number of files that we found unsecured and open on their site. So if I go into the files, first off, I pull up a screenshot. These are what are known as SQL databases. When you look at this database, that is what is known as PII or personal information. So the first one that I opened down here that is PII, every voter within these counties, this is their personal information, their social security numbers, their home address, their driver's license number, all of it. So if someone, and I'm sure someone has gotten a hold of all of this, that means every single one of those individuals has all of their information compromised. So you're talking credit reports, you're talking email, everything that we have to keep secure on a daily basis was just open on this website and they keep it all open. So when I go back through here. Uh, and this back. is all the same voter machine company? Yes, this is all the same voter machine company. We pulled all this information from off of their page this is on this portal. This portal is called Univention. And so whenever I, whenever a company is building a piece of software, they use programs like this, which is called Univention. And this is how all of those programmers talk together. So on here, I can see web meetings. I can see their web applications, how they're communicating. Well, that was found, and I'll show you here real quick. 
that was found right here. So here's the website link. That is, if you have a programmer who is writing a program, here is the remote access into it. And you see the login over here. All of their logins have been kept in plain text files on the website. So if I want to log into this and be able to change their information, I can. Now, one of the other things that we found when we were looking through all of this is if I go back through here, I go over to vote. Here is the software that 10X puts on tablets. This is called ePollbook. Now, if you see these files called storyboards, this explains how their software is made. So if a black hat hacker in another country decides that he wants to be able to go into the system and say he wants to add an exploit in, uh, say Eternal Blue, which is a really bad exploit that was leaked by the Snowden leaks that was an NSA tool, if he infused Eternal Blue into our voting system, then he would have access to every system that every voting company in the United States had. And we have seen that already happening. This is a massive national security exposure. What you just said is that they're putting out there in, in plain view, basically, a hacker manual. Here's exactly how you compromise America. Correct. They're showing everyone how to be able to do it. They have not secured any of it. And this is all 10X. Yes, this the, is just 10X. The people that we're paying to secure our systems are the ones that are exposing us. For Dallas, Texas, I believe Dallas was given a $22 million contract for uh, securing the vote and bringing in these pieces of equipment. The and, screenshot that I'm showing right here, here's a... Uh, a listing of all of the Android files for putting their programming on an Android tablet. So whether it's Android or iOS, we were able to find that information on the open web. And so when I go over and I look at uh, my web page lists and it shows me, because what I did before prior to all of this was we went through and scanned the site, figured out all of the locations of where these files would be, and then put it all together in this. So, Rush, you were a candidate for Congress in the Dallas area. I mean, how can you trust anything about an election if, if it's this vulnerable? Well, you can't. In fact, if it's this vulnerable, I could have won it if I'd, I'd just wanted to, <laughs> and I'd known the right guys. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I think what you're telling me is you can go in and and uh, change the source code, Jekyll. We can change the source code. We can change everyone's votes to where, let's say, there's a real-time election taking place. I can change the votes and make it look like it was never even changed, and that's what you actually voted. Yeah, that's unless you have a paper ballot uh, as a backup. There's no way to validate or 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 compare, is there? Exactly. And that's the important need for having those paper backups, because what you're seeing is 10X, who is tied into Clarity, who's tied into ES&S yeah, and a lot of these other voting companies, they all store their information in a centralized location on the AWS cloud. 
the problem is they aren't setting those AWS clouds up correctly. So they're utilizing what's known as an S3 bucket. So then using an S3 bucket, we can get directly into that as well. And then be able to, if I want to find information out about specific voters and specific locations, find out how they've voted since 2000, I can go directly into that system. So now you can start seeing your analytics. So a foreign intel service can use that. The nope, secret nope. ballot is just so integral to what we do as a nation. The idea that anybody can look, I mean, you can literally blackmail people. You can do all kinds of things to individuals, and then you could literally take over our, our country. This is the you know, Manchurian candidate through, through open source hacking, basically. Right. Well, let, let me go back a minute. You said you could go and look and see how they had voted. The fact is, what you've just really said is you could go in and see how they were purportedly voting, but that may not have been at all how they voted, correct? Correct. Well, what you're doing is you're building a historical uh, trend that may not be factual. So, say, for example, when people are talking about the blue wave that was coming out in 2018, what they were really trying to do was to coax the public into believing that the Democrats were going to have this huge surge. But in the background, when they're accessing all of these companies and they're going in and changing everyone's uh, vote and accessing their information, they're being able to, to get the public to accept the fact that all of this was going to be changed across the board. You know, this is very interesting. Um, I had a long talk the other day with some people out of um, Virginia, and they were participating in the Republican caucuses last year, and they showed up at the caucus and they were said, uh, they were told, well, you can't be seated, the credentials people uh, have a printout of your voting, and uh, you've voted in a whole bunch of Democratic primaries. And they looked and they went, no, we've never voted in Democratic primaries. And they said, well, your, your printout says you have, and they had to go and file affidavits. And there were evidently a couple of hundred of them at this one particular caucus area. Um, they had to file a couple hundred affidavits that said, we have never voted in these primaries. We don't know why it shows it there. I guess somebody just screwed up. Correct. Anyway. Can you can you find that out? I mean, can you look at the logs and the records once they've been overwritten and find out the history of them, or is it gone forever? No, you can find that. We actually have, within our listing of files, one of the things that we're still analyzing is we have the entire access log into these servers, which was listed publicly for people to, to be able to find. You just had to know the right area to go to. And what you're seeing on the screen right here, secuser.sql. This is an SQL database. So with having this SQL database, as we're going through and analyzing between that and the logs and the mail logs, we can tell you exactly who accessed the system and who changed things. And already looking in them, we have found IP addresses coming from Russia, coming from India, coming from a lot of foreign countries. And over here, one of my links that I have posted, this one right here, uh, the fourth one down, where it says RCE and VPN only, 
what it is is someone uses what's called a remote code execution. So when you look at precinctfind.com, Moodle data, file directory, and then at the very end it says password. Yeah. The remote code execution means somebody remotely was inside this system and the IP address that it tied back to was out of Russia. Is it possible that someone else used a, a Russian IP address and did it from someplace else? Can you obscure yourself that way or is it certain it was Russia? You can VPN and obscure it and that's a possibility. Granted, once we get in and sort of look at that, we would be able to tell better. But we found too many selectors to show that we're seeing uh, foreign adversaries who are already inside this system. This is the biggest story in election fraud that I've ever seen. What you're just saying is that we're, you know, President Obama said, oh, no, no, you can't hack the system. We have all these protections. If you can hack the voting companies, you can take over the system. But this is just for... 10X, which is Dallas County coming up. How, how big are they? How 10X is operating in currently 16 states. They're operating in all the hotbed areas in Florida. If you remember in 2018 when they were talking about problems in Broward County, yes. Palm Beach, 10X was running all of those locations. Cook County, Chicago is run by 10X. LA, San Francisco, they're headquartered in San Francisco. 10X is actually run by a foreign national who lives in San Francisco. Let me let me ask you to go back to that previous one where you showed us the file that had the SQL database. Can you go back there a second? Yes, I can. Let me open that up real quick. Okay, that, uh, no, the one uh, that was just to the right of the one you opened. Okay, right here. Uh, Let me ask you a question about that. Okay. So you can get into that SQL database without doing SQL insertion or anything. Correct. We did not have to do any SQL injections to find vulnerabilities to be able to gain access to it. Those SQL databases were kept on an unsecured area. And in fact, one of the, one of the images that I can bring up for you here, um, 10X uses Oracle, and this is how we saw this information. So when you look at this 10X Oracle.txt file, what they were doing was they were dumping, it originally starts in Oracle, and that's how they build their database, and then they, they do what's called, they make what's called a, a dump file. And that dump file that you're seeing right here where it says, 189,683 rows exported. Yeah. All we did was we took that export, the dump file, and turned it in an SQL file, which that's what they were doing. So they're securing one SQL file, but they're leaving the dump file for people to be able to go after. So you, you took the dump file. We saw the dump file. We exported it, and that's how we double-checked to see if it actually had personal identification information. So whatever security was supposed to be on this, these guys are in effect very purposefully circumventing it. Either that or they're completely ignorant. But they can't be that dumb. Well, and if you'll notice, uh, one of the things that I had heard was, as you're looking at this information from the Oracle, Oracle database, 
there are no security features that Oracle has for their databases that is included in this. So they had a choice. They could have included security features. They did none of them. Correct. So and they left the key under the mat. Actually, they left the key on, on top, top of, of the, the mat, mat. <laughs> with a sign with saying, a sign yeah. here. Now, here's one of the other parts. Wow. And this, I think, will be significant. When you look at this list of information, one of the items it shows is set where it specifies the, the password, the emails for the poll workers. That means 7,000 poll workers in different areas of Florida have all of their information compromised. So if we have poll worker databases and we know who's going to work the polls, how, what do you think would happen if a foreign intel service then decides to go to those poll workers and compromise them to control them? Oh, it's very easy, easy, easily done. Yeah. And if you look up uh, two links from there, you'll see a section called Moodle. Moodle is what trains all yeah. of the poll workers that 10X uses. So to gain access to it, the username was admin and the password is password32 exclamation point. Which, and they made that public too. Correct. All of that is showing public. So whenever I look this up using a Python script, I'm now seeing those passwords and those usernames because they were not at all secure. Jekyll, let me go up. I see this password super one, two, three. Where have I seen or heard that before? I've heard that password from somewhere. That is whenever the, the Edward Snowden leak started coming out. That was a common password that the NSA, NSA used that's right. That's where their systems. Wow. Interesting. Okay. All right. So this is 10X. Is the answer then uh, fire 10X till they get their act together and hire another another voting machine company? Uh, no. A lot of people would hope that it would be that simple. But I, I see here, ESS. That's a big one. Right? Here's ESNS. Yeah. So all of their systems are compromised as well. And they all communicate into the same system. You're looking at clarity. Uh Central point, a lot of these systems are all centralized and their source code, when we're reading their source code to their programs, basically all they did was they took Smartmatic out of Europe and they transferred their programming into different languages and they're using the same flaws that have been there since the 80s. So let me ask this question, all right? You're a white hat hacker, you work for the good guys and all that. What can a black hat hacker do with this? With the tool sets that are out there just on open source, these entire systems could be compromised in seconds, not in minutes, not in days, in seconds. Because just for example, what you're seeing on the screen where it shows the, the port numbers to be able to go in. Well, if I'm scanning that website at that port number, I can then watch what it's communicating with I can do a Google search and say, what normally uses that port? And then you start finding your exploits to be able to get into it. Well, in this day and age, we now have artificial intelligence that if I put all of those website addresses into AI hacking software, it'll all do it automatically for me. Okay, so I just got this... This is all after the fact stuff. This is here are the poll workers and you can compromise poll workers, I get that. 
but but on election day, aren't the voting machines physically separated from the internet and all of that? Isn't aren't they secured and stored securely and all that? And you and you have cards that come off them, and you just read those. If you keep it completely off the net, doesn't that protect the voter? Doesn't that protect the integrity of the election? Do you use Android or Apple at all? Yeah, everybody uses either Android or Apple pretty much. You know, all the for the most part, all of their software is written to be used on Android and Apple. So if I go and I get an Apple tablet and I put software on it, that means all of the known vulnerabilities for that tablet are then subject to be being attacked. Now, all of these pieces of equipment require a Wi-Fi signal to report information back. Right. So now you're looking at man-in-the-middle vulnerabilities. They're, they're just by looking at the various steps for the information going back, there are about eight to ten vectors that information can be manipulated in real time on election night. Okay, so I'm, I hear you, and I hear what you're saying, and I understand you, you got this. But I have in my head a vision of here is a machine, a voting machine. I walk in, I get my code, I punch my code in, it goes on a card. Somewhere in my machine, there's a card. They take the card to a secure location. They plug the card into a secure, separated from the internet machine. They look at it one time and they say, that's the vote. Now, later they might be able to manipulate it, but I'm still not guessing. Are, are you really telling me that when I vote, it could be changed there? What I... I think what he's telling you and looking here is that it's going to go to 10X or to ESNS or to Heart or to Dominion or any of those people, uh, their databases. Those can be exploited. The votes can be changed. They can be then re-uploaded. The history can even be changed and sent back to whatever is the county central voting. And in fact, you would probably see that in the logs, which we've discussed previously. We have seen on the logs. That's yeah. exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing this in real time happening. on. So the logs. this is the, in your mind, Russ, this figures out what happened, which you exposed to us before this, yeah. this explains it. Yeah. In fact, it even explains the timestamp mismatch issue that we were wondering about because people who are not in, uh, in loaded into this thing are coming into it and they don't match up on their, their uh, machines from a timestamp point of view. And so it prints out a timestamp mismatch and it's an indication that things are being changed. You mentioned several, ES&S, 10X, you mentioned some other companies. Dominion, what are they? Dominion, Heart. is Dominion compromised, yes. Jekyll? Yes, Heart. Heart. Um, what else, what other companies? Do you well, SGO, I would assume. We've also seen uh, there's a company out of Virginia that we started looking at. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're compromised. Every system that we've looked at, it's the same people just going to a different market using the same software that they then alter. And the same vulnerabilities, and they're all leaving the key on top of the map. Exactly. Wow. Wow. That is un. Is that frightening? It's unbelievable. It maybe explains a lot. It is not a partisan issue because if if the Russians or whomever wanted to put a, a Democrat in the White House, this is a way they could do it. If they wanted to put a Republican in the White House, this is a way they could do it. It's not. It's not you know one party or the other party necessarily. It is a national security vulnerability. Not just national security, but then you also look at. Uh, organizations within the United States. 
You know, it's when you have businesses that give politicians millions of dollars to push their agenda. Now, all of a sudden, they want to make sure that their politician gets into office. So a lot of these companies that have been hiding in the background and been working to try and get Democrats pushed up into into higher offices uh, say they want to make sure that Planned Parenthood can be able to continue uh, providing fetal tissues for foods, vaccines, all that kind of stuff. Well, they need to have that Democrat in office. So now all of a sudden they're going to be able to make sure that they can get in. The guy who runs 10X, I've seen all of his donations to the Democrat Party. I've seen all of his involvement with the Democrat Party. And every voting company, for the most part, are all tied to the Democrat Party. Now, ES&S is not. They're headquartered out in Nebraska. Uh, but if you look at the workers, you look at the programmers, once you say, and most of the programmers and the workers for those companies, they're posting their resumes up on LinkedIn, monster.com. Uh, you can find them all over the place. And in fact, some of the software that we were, were hunting and looking for, we found it on GitHub where they're making it in real time and they just leave it out there for everyone to see. Okay. So when you've got that, you, you've got that reality. It, it actually doesn't even matter uh, what the president or CEO of 10X thinks or whatever, because the last person in can control the election. You could have a hacker from anywhere. We could have Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea fighting over who's going to determine our president and the voter, the American voter gets nothing. Or it could be an American company that uh, is unscrupulous, a crony capitalist situation or whatever. It's stealing, stealing fraud and theft from the American voter. It means my vote's not worth anything. Well, it is. It's worth something because it's a digit that someone can then change. Manipulate. It's not worth anything to me. No, it's not. Let me ask you a couple questions here, uh, Jekyll. Have you showed us everything that a technical guy, um, kind of your level, would want to see in order to convince him? Or is there anything else that you want to show us that's going on technically that you have been able to go into perfectly legally and wide open? Because then I have one more point I'd like to make, I think. So with the information that I've shown so far, this is sort of a roadmap for a technical person to understand where they would go, what they would look at, whether you're using Burp Suite, which is a, uh, a penetration testing piece of software, whether you're using Python scripts to be able to find this information, but also uh, just sort of understanding the number of different areas to look to be able to reproduce the exact same results. And then coming over some of the, as I was talking earlier, the dump files. Uh, these are just the two dump files that I show here. This was March 6th, 2019. That was a dump file that was then turned into an SQL file. These are all pieces of information that had been found on secure.precinctfind.com forward slash dumps unsecured databases. Yeah, it says secure, but it's not. It's not It's not even a secure site, HTTP, is that right? Correct. And 10X, if you look on their website, they brag about being able to ensure uh, secure elections. 
and just in these lists of links should probably sue them for misrepresentation. Oh yeah, I mean the the, the just because you say secure in your domain name does not mean that you are secure. Look at all these sites. Well, and the the really crazy part with Pinex uh, up here where you see Univention, one of the things that was listed, and this was the scariest part that we saw. 10X reports into every Secretary of State office that they operate in. Well, within Univention in their portal, we found all of the SSH certificates that they were given by those Secretaries of State. So if a black hatter out there finds those, that now means they can get into the state government sites and they have been given the access codes to be able to get in and everyone let them go through it. And, and of course, if you can do it, the bad guys can do it. Right, because with information we know about places like China, the Chinese have one building with hundreds of hackers whose job is to look for these type of exploits. So they're obvious. This is obvious to any hacker and it can't have been left in the open uh, unintentionally, it has to have been purposeful. It's too wide open. Uh, is there anything else technically that you want to show us here? Uh, I, I had all the bullet points that we needed to for this one. Okay. Um, so let me understand what you basically told us today is that by almost any measure, it's inconceivable that leaving this wide open isn't purposeful. No, it had to have been purposeful because every location that we were finding login portals or the need to log in, we were finding text files with the passwords put into them. So let me ask you, the we've seen how simple it is to get into all of this now, and it has to be purposeful. It's so simple, correct? Yes, absolutely correct. Okay. Hey, you're handing everyone the keys to be able to get in and basically showing them a step-by-step on how to get in. So changing the boat is simple. What we're, what we're really down to is what kind of an organization can do the massive statistical study that the votes they change can be believable. And of course, that's almost a precinct by precinct activity for races that are targeted, correct? Correct. We see companies like, uh, for example, NGP Van, who work on data analytics for the left. When you go and you look at their website, they're actually login portals where each individual politician can log in and see everyone within uh, their district and the analytics on how they vote, what their interests are, uh, all of their personal, pretty much all of their personal information, because that's where uh, in 2017, when there was sort of the scandal with, um, I can't remember the name of the company, there was a, an analytical company tied to Facebook. Oh, yeah. And they were pulling personal information from Facebook users and then turning it into data for elections. Wow. And so that's how they shape 
a politician, when he shapes his discussion, he's going to shape it based off of what people talk about on social media. But then what did we find out? We find out the Russians were running groups to control that narrative. We're finding sites like uh, ShareBlue uh, who are hiring people, creating sock puppets and using th things like that to control that narrative and to control those topics. And you have not found a single voting company so far that hasn't left the key on top of the mat with a sign key here. No, every single one of them, uh, even the most basic flaw of you know, the, the links you see on here in the very beginning show HTTPS. But then when you go to them, those HTTPS uh, websites don't have even their certificates set up correctly. Wow. And all of these sites, the guy who is registered for 10X and all the other sites, he has over 200 websites that he is listed being responsible for starting. And all of them are set up in this manner. Wow. So what that means is that a foreign government or a, an individual hacker or a bad corporation or a bad politician could take control of an election or they could destroy confidence in the entire electoral process just by crashing an election. This could cause a civil war. This could cause the collapse of, of the nation. It is a national security event. It's also personal theft. Your identification information, if you vote, has been stolen from you and has been put out on the web very likely. So this is something that we have to get a hold of. And we are grateful to white hat hackers like Jekyll and, and election experts like Russ Ramsland. This is Kevin Freeman from The Economic War Room. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dang, ladies and gentlemen. Dang. That is a crazy report to run this late at night. And I'll just say it, ladies and gentlemen, that is how the Texas rhinos have been doing it this entire time. Okay. So uh, you got your dominions, but you got your other voting systems. And this one seems highly efficient compared to dominion, honestly. Because uh, they can do it from a website. They don't even need to remotely access the machines themselves based on what we just listened to, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys, I hate to, I hate to make it short, but uh, I have got to scram, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we will be back again tomorrow with some more episodes of The Sea Report, or I should say another episode of The Sea Report. Uh, but uh, if you guys haven't had enough of uh, Mr. C, uh, I'll be live in five minutes over at the Speak Uneasy's channel. So how about all of you cats, all of you cool cats, just go ahead and hop on over there. And uh, we'll be seeing you shortly for another episode of This Is News. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Wednesdays are my heavy work days. But it is a, uh, it's a work and a labor of joy and love. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, you have a great night. Uh, take care. Get your rest. Be safe. Be blessed and God bless America. Get this information about 10X and SESNS uh, and Heart Intracivic outs there. People need to know. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.
let's talk about Georgia. Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video. And Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're going to die on this hill. We're going to be gay and we're going to rape our children no matter what you say because we are Disney. Uh, we don't normally run see in the dark uh, during the week. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, what the heck is this bald band talking about? Uh, you know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, so you've got your C report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do see in the dark, which is a late night weekend talk show kind of, you know, broadcast, right? So guys, watch out. We got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So look out now. Look out now. <laughs> oh no, it's wretched Gretchen Whitmer.